You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back in the... Are we officially in the dead of summer, or do we have to wait for OTAs to end before we're in the dead of summer? If we're not on the dead, we are on the life support of summer, (laughs) I think, because... uh, you know, the, the little drips and drabs of information we get from OTAs is really just like, you know, we're in a fetal position. We are, uh, there is a pulse, but not much. I mean, this the, is the, the Bob Barker of summer. Yeah, which is fine because, you know, with the, with the schedule of everything else going on, we have NBA and St- finals and Stanley Cup, you know, baseball is really getting into it and everything. So it's okay that it's a little slow right now. Um but I'll tell you something, in about two weeks when basketball and hockey are over, we're going to really start clamoring for some football news because, you know. Because baseball sucks. It, 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 well, maybe unless you're a Rays fan, it sucks. But for me, I'm pretty happy. Good week this week, though, Grump. I was at – I did a rare doubleheader. I did Wrigley Field and Fenway Park within – It's such a 40. random – yeah, it's such a random collection of parks. Very well. It's just a, the Rays had a, a, this – weird road trip and it just worked out to go to all of it so uh <laughs> yeah i will say though after doing the uh the taste test that wrigley is better than fenway pretty hands down it is it, it is the essence of a retro ballpark and just cool it just feels like you're in 1943 fenway's a piece of shit fenway is it's goofy the fans there are, are dopes they're they're cheesy I, I'll take Fenway over. I'll take Wrigley over Fenway any day. It, it, Camden Yards is a newer stadium that's modeled after Wrigley, right? To make it that's look cr- like it's old. Is that correct? Right. Camden Yards was the first of the retro parks. So a lot of these have now brick and steel and quirkiness in the outfield. But it, they're all like Epcot. They're, you know, you know when I do my – I've been at 28 of the 30 baseball stadiums. And um, I have my ranking, which I – manicure and i refine every year and i don't have wrigley and fenway on my list because it's not fair because they are the actual old parks that are left mm. um number one by the way is pittsburgh for those of you who are looking for Ooh, a it is a good stadium i was there twice last year it is number one in my list i have san diego three san francisco two pittsburgh one so that, that is that is with the rivers right there it's super cool it's really awesome. You walk over the bridge to go like from downtown, the, yep. the Roberto Clemente Bridge. Or if you're me, you can take a scooter, uh, like one of those electric scooters that you pay like a fucking ride share through an app or whatever. And yep, yep. They, they will turn off if you ride them places that you're not supposed to have them. Found that out. Yeah. I was, where was, oh, that's like a golf cart. You know, if you're kind of you go off where you're supposed to go, they'll turn, it'll shut off on you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I was. I didn't know where I was going. I was following my friend who decided to cut through a park, and we're like, nice. he's like, "Hey, nice my work. thing died." I was like, "Yeah, me too." Now they have a casino next door, the Rivers Casino, so it's perfect. And there's bars right right next door, like across the street too. It's like kind of just like an open street thing there. Well, it's fantastic because we went to the Giant game when they played Pittsburgh in 2008. Uh, it was during that Rays World Series, and we went for. Uh, 
And I just remember the two things that stood out for me for Pittsburgh was Saturday night at 1130 on one of the TV channels. They had like basically a Jeopardy show, but it was about Steelers. They had three Steeler fans answering questions. So I was like, this is cool. And Sunday morning, getting to the tailgating spot at like seven in the morning and it already being packed. Hmm. I don't mean a bunch of cars. I mean packed. It was awesome. Giants winning also was pretty nice too. That was, <laughs> that was a nice touch for the weekend as well. So Pittsburgh is a pretty badass sports town. I gotta say, it, it's a very underrated city. I think. I yeah. I, I have. Mean, I think it, where it is now versus where it was like uh, like fifteen years ago when I went is two yeah. very different cities. Sure, sure. I would say Pittsburgh and Detroit are my two underrated cities. Where you have a you have a perception of what they are and go and you'll be like, Oh, pretty fun. Yeah, pretty good. How about that. Yeah. Um, OTAs are fun. Giants OTAs. Uh, and I, I say that somewhat sarcastically, but also somewhat, you know, truthfully, uh, OTAs yeah. are fun, but they're not super informative. Um, so this is like, this is not the dead of summer. This is cock season. This is – you get pictures of guys making catches against air and in shorts. O-linemen don't even touch D-linemen. D-linemen don't even need to show up. Um, Grump talking about cock teases and guys running around in shorts. There you go. That's that's classic Just Giants for you. It's all you need, man. It's It's been kind of our MO. Uh, it's just, just veiled stupid jokes. There no, you go. I, I mean but, – but really this is like – I've been really quiet on Twitter. Uh, I've been reading the stuff been listening to stuff everybody's cool everybody's you know working hard they're really interested it's an interesting time it's an exciting time this is this is otas are always exciting time everyone's at the height of their fandom after the draft and that first Mm -hmm. wave of free agency and now you're seeing them it happens so quickly i mean it's like three weeks later and you have like the, the the mini camp is already over and they're heading towards OTAs and now the whole team is getting together and you're you're riding high from the successes of last year and it is already a fairly fun time to be a football team when you have been irrelevant for 8 9 10 11 years kind of and then all sure. of a sudden you have a good a good season with not just like out of the blue but like with with hope with there's like at a good time where they can continue to build and this just hits overdrive and people well, me, are excited for everything well let's start by asking you grump i mean how do you as a giant fan how do you compare this off season to anything we've had since we've been really been doing the show and even before that i mean to kind of you know, say what you're saying for me this is like this is the first i don't dread the off seasons but you go into it like in the last several years, like, all right, you know, when is this rebuild really going to start taking hold? When are we going to get some identity? But now I actually feel it's like, it's not, while we are still rebuilding, now I'm thinking about, I'm looking at schedules. I'm thinking about what can we do to get to the next round of the playoffs? And it's, you want this, this is the, this is the most I've wanted the season to start sooner in a very, very, very long time. It's interesting, man. So we've historically, since this show started, not had um, success to back off of, with the exception of the very first year we did this. Mm-hmm. We started this in 2017, riding off of that 2016 season where they had only four losses in the regular season, four or five. 
think it was five. Um, well, they finished uh, in second place in the NFC, beating the, – the, they missed out to the Cowboys, who they did beat twice that year or That's something, correct. right? And they just had a worse record. Mm-hmm. Um, we were riding high, and I remember the feeling of wanting to do the show very badly at that time because it was infuriating. That was a team that's offense was bad, and they just continued to win anyway. Right. And I, I mean, I just remember the frustration of people just being like very okay with everything. They were like, "We're winning, we're winning, we're winning," and the the part of me that was just like, "No, you're missing the bigger picture. They're not doing well. Like this is." This is cool, and I'm enjoying this, and whatever. But like, there are serious problems with this team. A um, very, a very big parallel to all you guys that are Nick fans. Also, the year they made the playoffs with Carmelo Anthony, it was like, okay, we're just we're happy we're in the playoffs, and we feel like we're doing things because we're in the playoffs. But I never felt like either team, that Giant team or that Nick team, were really building to anything big. It was just like, you know, we made the playoffs, exciting, but this isn't the start of something more sustainable and bigger, which I feel like right now. Well, I don't know if I 100% agree with that. I ne- from the day one, never really felt the Ben McAdoo thing. So, I mean, that was certainly sticking in my throat. Didn't like that. Um, you know, that being yeah, said, the defense, the, but the yeah. defense that year was really something. And, and it did feel like while they were not at that time building, it was like, okay, well, they need points. They need something to help this offense out, and they've got a team. And if I remember right, 2017 is the year they went out and they bought like 100 wide receivers. And then in like two games, all of them had two ACLs. And the whole season literally fell down the toilet. Um, And and then, you know, before the end of the year, we've got Eli is benched. Ben McAdoo is fired. Steve Spagnuolo's interim head coach. Um, Jerry Reese gets fired. Mark Ross gets fired. And we're in a whole other hole. And we never fully climbed out of that hole. And I would say even at certain points dug a little deeper. Well, that's what I meant. It was like, you know, you know, we, we made the playoffs, but like Eli, you know, the clock was ticking and, you know, like it was going to be like Custer's last stand. So it, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> it feel very like it was, much was like that. Exactly. Like I didn't feel like this was the beginning of a run. I felt like this was just a we've made the playoffs. We are going to probably at the cost of a run make one final effort to win with this guy. And it all backfired, and it, it set us back for a while. This, I feel, you know, I feel like there's a, a unified front between front office, head coach, owner, um, the right mix of, you know, young guys that are going to grow with this team and grow with this coaching staff. This feels like the start of an era. Now, I don't mean this to say the start of a Super Bowl era, but an era of a team where, there's going to be some, some sustained success over X amount of years. What that ceiling is, is to be determined because I don't think all the parts are, we're not really close to having all the parts that we need for it, but this feels like the start of something. That's a difference for me. <coughs> well, what I'll say is in terms of excitement, like I said, that the first year we did this, those OTAs, I will genuinely say that I while I didn't think they were building towards anything, I certainly felt like as a team they kind of had something that they could throw money at and fix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that being said, you know the, the the big difference towards building towards something versus having something is this feels like they went out, they got the GM that they truly wanted from the get-go, they interviewed other people, but they got the guy they wanted, who brought the coach that they wanted, 
and the kind of coach they wanted, an innovative, young, offensive mind. What happened before felt like a, not a handoff so much as it was like, I don't know, kind of, have you ever like dropped something in the slowest possible way where you keep trying to catch it and you're just bouncing it around for 20 minutes? It was like, it's like you had a really good movie and the sequel was like a direct-to-video well, thing. It was yeah. like, it's sort of it, but not really. It's so a like, half-ass effort to keep it. The, yeah, it was it was like this just janky multi-step process of letting Tom Coughlin walk, promoting the young offensive mind. But like even that felt like, well, we don't want Philly to have him, so let's yeah, do felt, this. It, you it know, felt like a cock block more. It but felt it, like yeah, stuff kind that of, yeah. But also, like I do think that to a certain extent, Ben McAdoo represented something they wanted. Uh, I I think it's more like think of like the music industry in the eighties. Where, like, you have your hair band and, like, record companies are like, that's what we want. We want that. That's what sells. And so they get something that sort of looks like it, and then you wind up with, like, Striper. <laughs> and then what happens is the rest of the music industry all of a sudden moves on to Nirvana and Pearl Jam. There you and go. All of a sudden, and all of a sudden, your label's coming out with the next Poison album. And it's like, well, nobody wants to hear that anymore. And that's right. kind of like what we were for a long time. We were Poison in a world of uh, nirvanas. <laughs> and, and now we finally have, you know, a, a, a Kurt Cobain. Alice in Chains. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Soundgarden, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so this is probably the most genuinely excited I feel. I actually still feel a little bit tenuous because there is some level of connection I feel to riding high on quick success that is a little bit fluky, um, right? I mean, do you feel like sure. so the different the difference between you know twenty twenty two and twenty sixteen as teams go is twenty sixteen was an expensive team that spent a lot of money on defense and predictably the defense was good and the offense was bad. The twenty twenty two team had like already spent money that was invested in things that they were forced to keep. Think Kenny Galladay, for starters. They had sunk money they couldn't do anything with, and they still won anyway, despite doing things such as moving on from Kadarius Tony, which, you know, say whatever you want, it's still a first-round draft pick talent that mm -hmm. they decided they were just going to figure out how to do it without him. And they still managed to make it work. They had Kenny Galladay, who was making more money than anybody on the team, I think, and he barely even got snaps and they still managed to make it work so it's either him yeah it's either him or leonard williams with the two highest right yeah it's got to be one of those two um yeah. so so i the difference for me is while the off season feels like they are sort of throwing money at the obvious problems that prevented the immediate success from the prior year from being more than that there's a parallel but the difference being that immediate success one one in spite of certain things and the other one because of financial spending it, so it, it, it feels to me they spent money but like not recklessly at the at the the cost of the future where well, there's that too yeah yeah they, they 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 were they were really in a you know again a custer's last stand like we have to win this before eli and the ownership felt like they owed it to eli to do so which is kind of odd considering they already won two super bowls thing this wasn't john elway in 1997 where it's like we got to win one for john but Ownership felt like they owed Eli to give him one last run, which is a little weird. Um, and yeah, we can get into yeah. the merits and pitfalls of that. I mean, like to be honest, they screwed Eli for a million, a million years, for for a very long stretch of time. 
they put Eli in situations where he was the entire team and they did not do a good job of helping him. And so maybe yeah. they, they, I think they truly understood that and realized that and felt the guilt from that. Yeah, you look that, at their track record of avoiding the offensive line, and then in like two years, they threw everything at Justin Pugh and Weston Richburg, and like suddenly at mm-hmm. the very end, they're like trying their best to like right. just put it together for him. Right, and it failed. But it, it felt like it, it was felt like we're gonna have a two year window. We are gonna do everything we can to win right now. Be damned after the fact. Yeah, and I don't feel any of these moves we're doing now are. Now this is for building sustainability, which is. You know, very critical in, in this league because it's so up and downy, and you can get yourself into cap trouble really, really quickly. Yeah, and you know, bringing this back to like the OTA thing here, mm-hmm. this is the time of year where uh, all teams and fans of all teams like wet their pants over um, <laughs> one-handed catches and things like that, and so it's very easy to get wrapped up in that. In the Giants' case, I mean, there's a picture going around of Daniel Bellinger making a catch and he has guns like the the like, the mm-hmm. you son of a bitch from predator you know what i'm talking about wow. you know what i'm talking about though yep yep, yep. yeah i mean <laughs> he looks like that and you know even i i mean i i kind of just made a joke out of it but it is even silly things like that get you excited after a year like that but i'm me i'm i'm feeling an undercurrent of like I just I feel like last season never ended for me totally like that Eagles game was kind of like a setup like we had no shot I was excited for it but like you know I was mm-hmm. riding high up that Minnesota thing I thought we were doing good and the Eagles game is just kind of like ah, I mean that's not even fair we're not gonna win that game but I, thought I, was- I know we can keep it so like it feels like I just like I'm just like waiting for the next season to start to like give me another shot at it. I'm ready to go. You know. I mean, now we are almost five months removed from that game, which is hard to believe in itself. But I think looking back now with some distance, that game was probably very helpful for the development of this team going forward because, you know, we had beaten Minnesota. We were a second round team in the playoffs, but we said it ad nauseum on this show that we are in a rebuild and it was going to take a couple of years to do. And I think, you know, not only this, not only getting our asses kicked, but it was just obvious watching that game with your own eyes that we are not Philly. Right. We're not Philly yet. And that was a good taste to leave and forget the fans, you know, my Kafka is, you know, the coaching staff, the, the front office ownership of like, Great story, great year, great run, but there is still a lot of work to do and a lot of decisions have to be made if we want to get up to this level because right. at the end, of the, the end of the day, the name of the game is championships. It's not, okay, not having wasted years. It's not you know, winning games at home. It's not getting into the playoffs. The goal is to win championships, and there is, as much as we hate it because we hate that team 90 miles to the south of us, they are one of the gold standards in this league right now, and we are not at their level yet. Now, yeah, I, th- I think that's really well said. I think you're right. I think it helps the team to be able to congratulate yourselves and pat yourselves on the back palpably, right, with the win over Minnesota. And then also at the same time be reminded, by the way, this is the bar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're right. And it's, a, it's one of those things where you can, you can look back at a year and be like, we did damn good. That was damn good but we got work to do still. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of things went our way to have the record that we did, and that's fine. But you know something? Good. You know, it's easier to rebuild and easier, you know, to do things when you are being successful and there's a better attitude from the owner's suite down to the trainer. And, you know, last year could have been a very, very difficult year. First year, new coaching staff, new philosophies, you know, a make or break year for the quarterback, you know, all of this, you know, roster change, you know, you don't want that first year to, you just don't want that bad taste in your mouth of like, did we screw up again with this coaching staff? Did we screw up hiring this general manager? Did we, you know, we, we were able to not have to deal with any of that stuff. So, you know, attitude really helps and buy-in really helps and winning early gives you a lot of buy-in from your team. It gives you, you know, praise in the media because the media will drive the attitude of the fans as much as what they see with their own eyes. And they got a pass for a year and they got breathing room and a chance to do things that and not have to panic, you know, roll this out the right way. Amen, man. <clears throat> so with that said, the Giants have had seven OTAs thus far. They're mostly walkthroughs. They are truly, if you're being honest, not all that exciting. They just aren't. Um, it's easy to get excited and we're going to, but the honest truth of it is it's just work, man. They're just going to work. They're just doing their thing. They're screwing up. They're trying new things. And I want to get into that, right? So we're going to go through this depth chart really quickly. And I, I kind of want to start on the defensive side. I want to start in the back end, the secondary. Sure. And I just want to know what you, so like, at corner, you know, the Giants went out. They had grabbed Deontay Banks to pair with the Dory Jackson. Banks is getting first-team reps in OTAs, which means dick. But, I mean, we expected that anyway. They've moved Cordell Flott into the slot. I do think Aaron Robinson is still a really good fit there. I don't mm -hmm. think Aaron Robinson is a good fit for the outside. On the flip side, I think Cordell Flott is a developmental piece for the outside, but also has some versatility to move around. So on the conversation of versatility the starting safeties were bobby mccain new free agent that they signed and nick mcleod um obviously xavier mckinney will be a starting safety but there is sort of this question as to who's filling that role next to him whether it's you know uh jason pinnock dane belton a draft pick from last year julian love is gone um they also drafted uh owens Various Owens, Various who's, kind, Owens. who's yeah. kind of more of that box safety type that um, Julian Love is. Nick McLeod getting reps with safety when he was a cornerback last year in place of a Dory Jackson is interesting to me. And I know people got excited like, oh, maybe they they, they, they did it. They found a diamond in the rough. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm kind of clowning on people when I shouldn't be. But <laughs> I think that OTAs is the time where you can experiment with these things and – I, I Maybe they're shit ideas, you know. I, I think this is the time where if you want to do a little cross-training, you want to do a little experiment, like you said, I think you do it now. I think, um, you know, as we talk about the depth of the, of the secondary back there, I want people to be prepared that Deontay Banks may struggle as a rookie. Yes. You know, just because he's a, you know, we traded up for him, he's a first-round pick, works, we think he's got a nice future with his team – for the most part, 
rookie cornerbacks struggle in this league. Usually. And, you know, be prepared for that. I don't want to hear after week four, bust pick. We should have taken toast. Forbes, uh, this guy, yeah. that guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we have to. And this is going to be the internal struggle of the Giant fan for this year and probably even to next year as your head should be saying we are still building this team, but your heart is like second round playoffs last year. I expect to be closer to a Super Bowl contender this year. And these are the type of things we're going to have to kind of work through, you know, that that success is a blessing and a curse. And, you know, this is a very important position of need, but it's not a plug and play. You know, he might come in there and just kick complete ass, but the odds are, is going to be a learning curve, and we're going to have to kind of deal with it. So, If I had to guess, I would say I don't think he's going to play badly. I think that this system, Wink Martindale's system, and I'm going to talk about this for a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. Wink's system of confusion and tight man coverage and bringing pressure, um, I think it will allow him to not give up a lot. I think, I think he'll be step for step and uh, – Quarterbacks will not even look his direction as seeing a possible window. I, I you know, I, I just don't think, you know, obviously depending on matchup, there might be a really shifty wide receiver right at the release point or something like that. Uh, that just they know they can they have an advantage. But generally speaking, I think that this system will be able to hide some of the bumps and bruises for him. But the thing that it won't hide, and the thing that I think might be a huge struggle for him, I think he might be a little grabby in year one, and I think he might be a little penalized in year one. Yeah, I think that might be the thing where people get, you know, start chirping a little bit more than getting burnt might be just, you know, you know, hey, this guy, he keeps too many holding, you know, defensive pass interference or defensive holding or something where it's just like, you know, they're not they they don't have the confidence yet to know that they can run with these guys and they're going to, you know, try to get any kind of advantage until they, you know, it's as much of a mental thing as it is a. uh a physical thing or a technique thing, I think. Yeah, and, and it's also a speed of the game thing too. And sometimes and also, it takes months. You know, and remember with the other side of Dory Jackson on the other side, he is probably going to be picked on more just because the fact that sure the no other side to pick on Dory. It, yeah, it's like you say, well, no one's going to try to pick on him. It's like, well, where are they going to throw? So I mean, he's probably going to get more action his way because of Dory Jackson is there. Now, <laughs> that's where we kind of need. One of the things where we need help in this secondary is that Fedora Jackson goes down, you know, he's really going to be the glue back there. It's going to be very important that he stays healthy and does a really good job because we need that rock on that side to, you know, to help, uh, you know, uh, make, make make it only half of a field as opposed to a full field that teams have to work with. In regards to Nick McLeod at safety, um, I think it's a smart, fun idea. Um, just speaking on Nick McLeod, his filling in for Dory Jackson last year, I thought was fairly admirable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there was a drop off there, but it was not what I would have thought it would have been. You know, right. um, I think honestly that Nick McLeod, as the team has them as an asset. I think he's a good depth corner. I think he's solid, something that you would kind of want, like somebody to come off the bench and not embarrass you. That being said, um, I think the beauty of this is that Wink system allows people to kind of move post-snap. 
know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he can line up as a safety and run maybe some safety plays, but he can also line up as a safety and come down and maybe he's going to cover a corner or something like that. I mean, just maybe defensive backs are just going to move around. Maybe he'll come in on a blitz. The, the, the beauty of it is that as long as he's cross-trained to the fact where he, the quarterback has no idea if he's going to be a safety once the ball is snapped or if he's going to be a corner once the ball is snapped or if he's coming in on a blitz once the ball is snapped, it kind of doesn't matter. You know, like I'm viewing more and more that there's outside corners, there's a true free safety, and then everything else is just a a, a pass coverage guy, whether he be a linebacker or a slot corner or, you know, a a box safety or something. You can call it whatever you want. The guys in between are interchangeable, and they come in on blitzes sometimes. They cover sometimes. Sometimes, you know, they go into zone coverage. I, I, I think that... It's cool that they're doing this. I will not be shocked if Nick McLeod never lines up as a safety ever in a real game. And the other thing, too, you have to remember, this is year two of this defense, and we have a lot of guys coming back from this defense. You know, last year was about installation, learning a new defense, which is pretty different than it was before. Now we have guys that, you know, Darnay Holmes, Nick McLeod, Cordell Flott, um, you know, Xavier McKinney, Dory Jackson, guys who've been in this system now for a year, and they're going to be more comfortable in it also. So now you can start doing some of this cross. What's that? Yeah, adding wrinkles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not starting from day one of this is my philosophy. Now you can do some cross-training experimentation and little things that may or may not happen, you know, in the regular season. So that's and the fact that we you know, we kept, you know. Very much the whole coaching staff on the defensive side is back, right? Did we lose anybody on the, on the defensive side? I don't think so. Yeah, so that continuity, which doesn't happen that often, hmm. you know, it's good that we got another year out of everybody at least. So you can kind of continue what we were doing, and I have to take a step back and teach, you know, the the, the fundamentals what you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. The foundation's already been set. Now they can really bring. Wink system into the stratosphere. They can really right. have fun with it and toy around, and and I think that they're going to try. Yeah. Um, it is also, I think, a credit to the coaching staff for always being on the lookout for new possibilities and new ideas. I, I'll, I'll say that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, that being said, what are you worried about in the secondary? Are you worried at all from a depth perspective, uh, depth chart perspective? Just safety. Yeah, safety. Um... If Deontay Banks is struggling, you know, what does that mean? Like, you know, does, you know, I, I'm, you know, the way the Giants have been, we've also been conditioned for the last 10 years that the injury bug hits this team and we get very thin very quickly. So I'm still a little PTSD from that also. But you really can't control that in early June for injuries that may or may not happen going forward. I mean, you can't control it really at all. Yeah, yeah, but you can't, like, you can't, like, I am like this, well, if this guy gets hurt and this guy gets, this guy gets hurt, but I can't, I can't logically assume those things are going to happen. I can be afraid of them, but I guess, um, I, I would say probably safety. I mean, maybe safety might be one of those spots, and we say this all the time, where, you know, extra debt may not be on this roster yet, and maybe something when cut down day we pick up somebody I that can we can... That. We can plug and play in. I mean, I, I think it's also one of those things they might target a starter next year. It might be mm-hmm. time in the offseason to either look at a free agent or look at a 
you know, a guy in the draft that they like. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was a safety in this draft early on that they had their sights on, like Brian Branch. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder where they were like, if he's here, we got to take him. You know, everything well, else be damned. I wonder. The good thing also as we're getting into next year would be year three of this regime is that the number of spots where we'd have to spend big money to really fill is shrinking. You know, mm-hmm. other than like, and we'll get to this, we talk about offense, you know, a a real number one wide receiver. You know, if you think about it, the offensive line, you know, we don't have to go out big game fishing for a free agent for offensive line. You know, I don't think we need to do that for defensive line. I think in corners, I think we'll be okay. So it's really, we can use that money that we'll have next year to kind of fill spots, like, you know, depth things and things as opposed to having to spend a huge chunk on a glaring need because I don't see really, you know, obviously we don't know, you know, in 12 months from now, but right now I don't see glaring needs that this team will have that we have to spend a lot of money on one guy and taking up, you know, 11, 12% of the cap on. No, I mean like the, the Andrew Thomas deal is going to smack pretty soon when it happens. Um, that is what it is, though. I mean, like, I would rather pay the left tackle that I trained. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, okay with exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that, yeah. But that's I, I think to your yeah. point, their ability to bring in quality free agents on the cheap uh, makes me think that when they do have to pay their player, when, when, when the tax man comes, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. for Andrew Thomas and, and whomever else, um, I know now from – what looks to be two off seasons at this point that they can go out, get effective players and not spend more than like a million bucks. Right. Right. Um, which is, and, which is pretty and cool. use the money and use the money for your cornerstones that are already here. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I do think safety is a spot that I'm a little worried about, but in the grand scheme of position groups, I don't think, think really that this team is getting beaten over the top like a ton Mm -hmm. it might be Mm -hmm. famous last words or something but um i don't think i don't think i mean everybody gets beat at some point but i don't see them being sieve that yeah like consistently i just don't see like if if safety is your worst problem like you're like "Eh, i'm not really sure who the second safety is on the roster that's like not the worst problem to have Exactly. If I don't know who my first safety is, I'm very concerned. But, sure, you know, yeah, yeah, we're, we're picking nits a little bit now, which is good. That's that's what we want to do. Um, I'm a big fan of Okereke uh, mm-hmm. as a linebacker. I think that they're going to continue running a lot of things where he's going to be on the field for three downs. Uh, and I think also, to his credit, Micah McFadden in spot roles, based on what he was able to do as like a full-time role last year, I think that he'll be effective. And same thing with Jared Davis. I think with just the spot rolls where they're going to have a couple snaps per game or, of course, you know, things will be situational based on the team. But, like, in, in their in their minor roles, I think they'll be able to do plenty. And Okereke, I think, completely blurs that line between pass coverage and, you know, rundown linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do think he is really that guy. He's not – you know, a big thick bodied thumper like a Fred Warner or whatever. Um, but long arms, really athletic, fast, able to play coverage really, really well. And, you know, he's got the speed to come downhill and hit big. So I'm excited about linebacker. The, my problem for me is uh, just depth there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think also Jared Davis might surprise a little bit because I think, you know, he'll have a whole off season to really think they, they kind of, they brought him in and he basically had to play right away and not completely knowing the system. Now with an off season, you know, I think late in the year too, they got him. Exactly. So I think, you know, they like him. They wanted to bring him in. Um, I, I, I think you give him an off season where he can, you know, really understand the playbook and, you know, really go through all the reps during OTAs, training camp, you know, all this stuff. I think you're going to see uh, more bang for your buck out of him. I hope so. I have mm. high hopes for him. Yeah. Um, the defensive line, I think we're, we're both pretty comfortable with. They have plenty of beef up there. It might be one of their best position groups with starters this year. But the yeah. edge room, how That's... worried about you as an the, the edge rushers, I guess, being Aziz Ojolari, Jihad Ward, and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Well, as long as everybody's healthy, I'm going to feel great. I think as soon as one guy goes down, I'm going to be uh, already a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I think we're we're one body away from me feeling a lot better about that position group. But, I mean, how significant of a body are we talking about? Like, if you had to put, like, a, a – this is, like, a shitty way to do it, but, like, a draft position on it. I mean, I'd like to have like a like a second to high third round pick. I'd like to have. Yeah, I mean that's kind of my thing. I I like Aziz. I think more than a lot of people. Um, I think that he does his thing pretty well. But at this point, just stay on the field. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he had a he had a shitty second year. How many games did he miss his first year? Any. Maybe just a handful. I think he missed a couple the first year. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't remember it being egregious. I think last year was one of those things that felt almost predictable where he just put on so much muscle in such a short period of time that you're like, eh, soft tissue injuries definitely come in for him. Um, <laughs> and then it was just like one of those things where like if he were declared out right at the beginning of the year, it would have been fine. But because it was just like strung along in this forever thing it felt like yeah. he was just like a little bit a little bit of death chart uh, a, a little bit of a, a drama with that yeah yeah and I, I think that's just human nature like i don't necessarily think the coaching staff did anything wrong with handling him or anything like that i think it's just like when you're always waiting for something and you have this like glimmer of hope that it's going to come and it doesn't it feels worse than if right off the bat you're like it's not happening not happening this year sorry you're gonna have to wait till next year mm-hmm. um I'm worried. Uh, I am worried that this defense is going to have another year of struggling to create pressure, even with manufacturing it. Um, and and I, I do like Kayvon. And, you know, he spoke to the media about not watching his good plays from last year, only watching the bad ones, uh, working on finishing and stuff like that. And that's, that's cool. But to me, Kayvon was always a guy who knew what to say and how to say it. I got to see it. I got to see yeah. it, man. So it, it's cool that he apparently acknowledges it and knows exactly what to say about it. Um, I'm ready to see him close plays. He's going to have to. He, I would like to see him take over this defensive line this year. I'm concerned, honestly, about stopping the run than I am about the pass rush on this team. Okay. Very, very honestly, I know I need to see some major improvement. I mean, you get off the field – by being able to stop the run. You know, that's, you know, stopping the run means it's second and nine or second and eight as opposed to second and four. And it changes everything. It makes it so much easier to 
you know, the other team to do, you know, extend drives and make longer drives and everything. So for me, you know, do you think what we did in the off season is going to, you know, have a noticeable improvement in stopping the run over what we were last year, which was pretty bad. Um, I wouldn't say in the edge room. I would say in the defensive line, bringing in Nunez Roches and uh, yeah. Ashawn Robinson. In addition to I was sign trying to... Lawrence long term, you've managed to keep Leonard Williams thus far. Yeah, I, I would say that they were also worried about the run game. I mean, they also they also drafted another big defensive tackle with Jordan Riley in addition to last year's DJ Davidson. Although I don't know if he's going to play at all. He had a late season ACL. Um, but yeah, I think the coaching staff certainly thought it was a big problem. Wink Martindale said before last year even started that stopping the run is the number one thing he tries to do. Um, so uh, that being said, like, are you still concerned that it's going to be an issue given all that they've done in the offseason or no? I uh, still have concerns. I think I want to see it. Before okay. I feel feel a lot better, um, you know, almost with everything, you know, it's the same with my philosophy with the draft. It's the same my philosophy of signing free agents. It's like I need to see it on the field before I'm starting to feel better. Because to me, you know, again, that was the most frustrating thing about this defense was the fact that they, they teams could run on us, and that that put us in bad situations. And I think if you're in better situations, I think, you know, again, if it's third and nine, it's easier to rush the passer. Then it is third and two and third and three, and that if you can rush the passer, it makes the back end of the of the of the secondary better as well. So, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think they've made moves to improve the run defense, but I think I have to see it first. That about covers the defense. I'm not going to get into a quarterback thing. Are you cool with that? Like I I just don't feel the need to talk about Daniel Jones uh, in this depth chart scenario. I deal. He got his deal. Um, well, the only thing I will say is, are you happy that Tyrod Taylor is back? He was on a two-year deal. Yeah, but, I mean, are you still comfortable with him being the backup quarterback? Um, For this year, yeah, I guess so. Um, I think you need somebody that can run the exact same offense and while Tyrod Taylor is not a burner he can move um, I think he can run this offense to some extent uh, I don't know that there was a better option for that Like, it, I, it's kind of weird how the NFL is like accepting more of these quarterbacks that are a little bit more free to run um, because for the longest time it felt like colleges produced only those guys but yeah. they didn't translate to the NFL. But they're still not like like what are the other backup quarterbacks that can run a true dual threat offense like that? That's not a starter. Taysom Hill? I don't want that. No, no. That's um, a guy that's guy that guy's a runner who can throw who plays quarterback. I don't that guy's feel just like an a... athlete. That guy's like yeah. the guy from Germany yeah. that's like an all German player and then he comes here and he does it all because he was the only one with any talent there. I guess my thing though is that and this was my criticism of him last year is I felt like he was playing for his next job as opposed to being a backup quarterback for this team. I don't know, and, man. He's kind of old at this point. He should be beyond that. Well, he, sh- well he should be, but I, did, I didn't get the sense watching him when he had a play do that. Yeah, and I, right. I, I, and, I, and, I, and my philosophy with the 
do you want your backup quarterback to run the true offense that you're doing right now? Or is there something where you have to be cautious because if he goes down, then you're really screwed. So do I want him to be as no, much? No, I don't care about that. I'm, not, I'm never going to plan for a scenario in which my backup quarterback is now down. I, at that point, to me, the best backup quarterback in the NFL is most likely a failed starting quarterback you're never going to find a third quarterback that is somehow no, 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 on no. that level so. no 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 that's my point is that do i want my backup quarterback running the offense exactly the way my starting quarterback does and if there's a lot of dual threatness to him do i really want him running as much to increase the chance he gets hurt he, to me the backup quarterback is my safety net he's the okay i may have to sacrifice what i normally do but i know he can be effective throwing the ball he's smart he doesn't put himself in a position where he could go down because if he goes down, the season's over. And I don't feel with him, I don't think he's got that mindset of thinking that I am truly a backup quarterback. I think he thinks he's a starting quarterback who's buying time until he gets one more shot to start. And then when he's on the field, he's trying to prove that he's a starting quarterback. Um, well, I would say that's a fair criticism of him. I, I don't know that I saw that, but if that's what you saw and interpreted, then I, I would be – just as concerned. Um, mm. As far as – I think you run your offense, and I don't think like, – if you are – here's the thing. You're either playing your backup quarterback to win the game for the two or three games that your starter is out for him to take over, right? Or right. I, I, at no point am I like – well, the starter's out for seven games. It's all on you, Tyrod. Like, you know what I mean? At that point, if your starter's out for seven games, there are maybe three teams in the league that are good enough right. as a team, as a roster, that they can win anyway. Right? The Giants are not one of those. The teams. Giants aren't one of them. So I'm not really worried about that. So I think you run your offense as the way it is designed to be run. And you know what? If Tyrod Taylor is done – and he gets smoked on some play, and that's it, and now you're down to your third quarterback for the next three games, so be it, man. I mean, you probably weren't winning four games with Tyrod Taylor anyway. You were probably hoping at best to go 2-2, two and two, depending on the matchups. All right, so that's fair. That's, that's fair. just kind of the way I view it. I, I don't think your way is necessarily wrong. I think it's a difference in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think based on where the Giants are as a team right now, it doesn't make sense to be worrying about, you know, how – I, I don't yeah. think that they're like good enough to just you know run a different offense and continue to win for four games while Daniel Jones is out. Yeah, I, I guess like maybe I'm splitting hairs a little bit, or it's just my perception that I felt like Tyrod Taylor when he was playing was trying to audition for another job as opposed to running the offense that we normally were running it, and that that's just the sense I got from him. Yeah, I mean if. I would – if I had that feeling, I would have the same feelings as you. Yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's gotcha. a very Yogi Berra fucking thing to say. No, 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 no. If I felt the same as you, we'd have the same feelings. Um, <laughs> uh, but that but being I'm said – I'm not going to stay up at night worrying about what Tyrod Taylor does. If he happens to come in in a game, that's not a major concern of mine. It's just an observation that I don't know if he's the perfect – I don't know if he's got the headspace of what I want for a backup quarterback. That's all. Well, I would think that this is the last year he'll be on the roster anyway. So I would think so, yeah. Um, running back, though. Give me your thoughts on the Barkley thing. 
Yeah, we know we've kind of danced around it. We didn't want to talk really, but now this is kind of a good place in considering it's getting into the dog days of summer. Um, so we know there is a deadline for when he can sign a long-term deal since, you know, he has been tendered a franchise tag. He has until July 17th, I believe is the date. And if he doesn't, he cannot sign one until the end of the regular season. So the question there is kind of a, you know, there is a deadline to get a deal done. If not, his options are sign the franchise tag or don't play. And I very highly doubt he's going to not play. So the question becomes, are they going to get a deal done? And I have a kind of a contrarian thought other than most giant fans that I kind of rather would him just play on the tag for another year and play it year to year with him. Not because I don't like Saquon Barkley, not because I don't think he's fantastic. I just don't know how much I want to spend on a running back who is, will be closer to 30 than 20 by the time a long-term deal ends. Um, I, that's just my philosophical feeling about running backs and, you know, especially someone that's had a major uh, injury and gets banged up more than you hope for. Um, so I'm kind of almost rooting for the tag on him and let's play year by year and see what happens. Your thoughts. Um, I think that's fine. Uh, I think that – well, I mean, like, here's the deal. The Giants offered him reportedly a two-year deal in the middle of the year last year worth $12.5 He said no, and now here we are. Um, I'm sure that for him, that feels like a real kick in the nuts. Um, that being said, I don't see what leverage he has. You have, on one hand, Kayvon Thibodeau talking to – the press and pointing out people like Daniel Jones and Jalen Hyatt and a bunch of other people, according to reports, you know, saying it looks like practice is still going on. This is all guys that just want to get better, choosing to stay on the field. And if that deadline comes and a player like him decides I'm worth more than $10 million and doesn't do anything, I think that's bad optics for him. And, in the long run, maybe him sitting out is more attractive to potential teams in the following year as a guy who's had a full year removed from contact and whatever, right? Um, that might be the case, but I still don't necessarily think that that gets him anything more than a one-year deal on the open market. Let me ask you a question. How much money is the, um, the tag for him? $10 million. He is never going to recoup that $10 million if he sits out this year. That's kind of how I feel. So to me, you know, you if he thinks he's, he's going to chase that money back, he has to have a contract that's so extraordinary from someone, from a guy that sat out a year, he'll never recoup it. So I, I think, you know, he, that might be the play that his agents might say, but at the end of the day, He's not leaving that money on the table with the complete unknown of what he may or may not get on an open market that he and probably more likely his agents severely miscalculated. So I think the Giants 
have all the leverage in this thing. I think the I agree. The, the bluff of a holdout after you know not signing the thing. I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have been prepared to like really, really, really get into this, but then they signed Dexter Lawrence, and once they did that, I, I think they had all the power at that point. There's really nobody else they need to worry about locking up. Nobody else factors into the Saquon Barkley thing except Barkley himself. And so, if you ask, and if you ask me, I'd rather have Daniel Jones. I'd rather have Dexter Lawrence. I'd rather have those guys locked up long term than yeah, than a running back. And that's and again, I may have a different perspective because I am not a star fucker. I, I I am not an idol worshiper. I know a lot of people want to say you know like they love Saquon Saquon Barkley's their guy. You know he's the face of their franchise. I don't buy into faces of franchises. I, I never have. You know, as I getting older, to me, it's all about winning. I mean, look, I'm 50 years old. <laughs> you know, at some point, I got to start seeing wins for things. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Well, I got my entire life ahead of me to, for winning and stuff. So I'm more, I, as I get older and older, I focus more and more about, you know, the uniform than I do necessarily the individuals that are in it. Um, so I, none of that stuff matters to me, whether, He's my guy or my idol or the face of my franchise or, you know, the guy who's the endorsement or the guy who's going to get me on Monday Night Football. To me, it's all about what is the best opportunity for a team to win. And to me, it's allocation of resources under the cap. And I just don't see, you know, putting that much on a guy, on a, on a running back when this league is turning into more and more of a passing league. That's how I feel. I honestly think that the Giants want him for a brief window and nothing more. And they were willing to go for two years. I think they are still willing to go for two years. But I think they're also understanding that he might only have one year that's useful to them. And they're prepared to just deal with that. So if he decides he's going to sit, they're only really out. I mean, yeah, that sucks. It sets them back. But only one year. He was never going to be part of their four-year plan. So all that does is it tanks this year and makes him look like an asshole. That's kind of the way I think it, it falls. And, right? and you know something? Tank the year. I mean, this offense is, is being designed to be more about Daniel Jones and what he can do and, and, and throwing to you know a, a stable of receivers. They're, you know, they're getting a lot faster. You know They invested a lot in, in – um, and, and, and Waller and, and, and you know Daniel Bellinger is getting better. You have more tight two tight end sets, and you know they 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 did a high draft pick in Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt. That's what the future of this team is headed towards. It's not towards you know a, a monolithic you know guy who's going to run the ball whole, you know 25 30 times a game, and then they're going to throw to him eight or nine times. Also, it's it's about more about distributing among you know different guys. So what people's perception of of his value on this team and what the perception what this offense really is is not i don't think what reality is going to be eh over time i i, I don't know I, I think it's it's foolish to be like well barkley's just not that important uh, I, did, I, I know did, you didn't say that i yeah. didn't say you said that yeah. But I do think people are very whatever about Barkley returning. And, and, and in a certain sense, they're just like, well, you know what? It's Daniel Jones time and he's got the money and, you know, whatever. And it, it's yeah. like 
there is a nuance to Barkley is important to their current plan and also not part of their long-term plan because he is a running back who is getting up there in age, who will be 28 by the time that two-year deal they offered and was denied was w- would end. So I, 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 you know, it just it's one of those things that for right now it would fuck them up, but long term it is what it is, and I think they'll just be like, all right, whatever. And also, I all don't think it's gonna happen. I think he's gonna sign the tag. I think he is too. Yeah, and and I was, I was completely okay with him signing the tag. Also, you know, I I know people were like, oh, he can't play on the tag. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. This is like a new thing that happened in like the last ten years where players are like, I can't play on the tag. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Hey, players play in the last year of their contract all the time. All the time. It's the same thing. And let's be blunt. Everybody's potentially in the last year of a contract because you can get cut. And then then you're back to square one. I mean, it happens all the time in this league. Guys that, you know, you hear, I mean, you hear having signed these huge contracts and all of a sudden they're on their ass in two years or three years. I mean, you know, Leonard Williams signed this huge contract. It was a story for a whole year. And we're already two years later talking about renegotiating or will they cut him? And then it was, did he ever get the full value of that contract? Nope. So I don't understand why the, the, the tag is so much different or the, you know, the last year of a deal before going into free agency. They people play in the last year all the time. Yeah, I don't care about this anymore. I think we said it. Yep. Yep. It, he's cool. back. It's fine. Um, yep. I'm not worried about a lot with tight end. I think Darren Waller in, adds in something interesting. I think Daniel Bellinger was already pretty good. Um, any, any concerns about Waller being healthy? No. Staying healthy? No. Okay. I. Uh, what's your take on how long he's here anyway? Two years. Yeah. That's that's kind of it for me. So no, I mean if they had signed him to some like three year with a fourth year possible, well, I'd be worried about it. I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I I think I'm looking at it as like he's being counted on to probably be our most targeted receiver this year you know for you know someone the, the most targets daniel jones will be throwing to and you know we don't have a true number one wide receiver and we're talking about wide receivers in a second but i'm a little worried that you know if he has another injury or something and he's unavailable again you know we have a lot of twos and we don't have a one so that's kind of that's where my little not to, again. I'm not going to be staying up all night in June worrying about it, but that's definitely going to be a little bit of a, a concern for me as I go into the season. That I hope he's healthy for, you know, 15 games this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, but it's one of those things where it's like, can you say that about Daniel Jones? Can you say that about Leonard Williams? Can you say that about Adoree Jackson? Uh, yes, uh, they are. They are thin in a lot of spots, but also they were thin at tight end last year with just Bellinger. Were they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they were able to get something. I know that he was never going to be getting the most targets, whatever. Yeah, um, but his role is different. I think that's what makes me. That's more of a spotlight. Yes, but I think as a roster, they don't have the depth anywhere where you can't feel that way about like seven different guys. I mean, what's yeah. right? Like, if Adoree Jackson goes down, are we not pretty much just as fucked as we were last year? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing, and we're I would say depending more on Dory Jackson than we are on Darren Waller. I mean, we probably get, we're probably able to get Waller for the deal that we got because of the the injury history and concerns, I guess. 
But again, that risk does, you know, some guys are more prone to get injured than others, I guess. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. Darren Waller is going to get most of the targets this year based on everything we expect. And then they also have like 12 wide receivers that are fighting for about five or six spots. Yeah, let's talk about that because, again, I think it's we have a very solid collection of twos and threes. And Yeah, well, I mean, leaving off the list, five guys that are going to be competing in the fourth quarter of preseason games, they have Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Wandale Robinson, Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Dar- uh, Sterling Shepard, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Colin Johnson, and Jamison Crowder. Now, I named all of those guys because I do think that they are either – well, I don't even think. They're either guys who have been impressing and impressed this coaching staff or they're guys that were brought in this year, all of them. That's a lot of names I just said. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys I just listed. The the overall quality has certainly gone up. I mean, there are not guys like literally off the street who are being pressed into service anymore. And that is, you know, we're talked about, you know, Daniel Jones needs weapons and stuff. He's got solid depth to work with. It's the question is going to be at the top end, is it good enough? So I'm going to just, we're going to go through those names one by one. Give me a two second thought on each of them. Okay. Isaiah Hodgins. Um, I hope lightning strikes in the bottle again. Um, Jalen Hyatt. Um, I think he's a bit of a project, but I think he'll be a very solid receiver, but I wouldn't expect a ton from him right away. Wondell Robinson. Uh, I want to see that he is healthy. Yeah, but come on, say more than that. Say something uh, about him as a receiver, not how healthy he is. I think he's going to be, you know, the little gadget guy who does a lots of little things for us. I'll be, I mean, I'm excited about him being healthy. Paris Campbell. Uh, I don't know. What about Paris Campbell? I'm going to play to be determined. Interesting. Uh, Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with Darius Slayton, I guess. Um, I was one of those guys last year that didn't feel bad when they were. he was not going to be on the roster. And uh, I still will cringe every time there's a deep ball thrown to him. Will he catch it or not? <laughs> <laughs> um I'm glad that this wide receiver room is better than I have to rely on him so much. Okay. Um, Sterling Shepard. Anything I get out of him will be a bonus. Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, you don't know I shit about him. Don't, right? have a, don't have an opinion on him. Um, they, they spent a lot of money on him for an undrafted free agent. I'll say that. Okay. Um, Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson. Um, I think he'll be a victim of the numbers game mm-hmm. uh, and Jamison Crowder um, I don't figure he is going to be in that top tier of receivers I don't know if he's have any impact yeah uh, he was only included in this list because he was an offseason acquisition so when I look at this I think Isaiah Hodgins is a lock for this team I think he's mm-hmm. a smooth route runner despite yeah. not being fast or even necessarily quick gets just open 
and has pretty sure hands. Yeah, my, my, my comment about him was that, you know, it kind of it seemed like it was kind of out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he was like our best receiver, and it's going to be that productive again. It was it just something where, you know, circumstance where he all of a sudden was making plays, or is that just, you know, I'm hoping he is. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's a pretty solid lock with the rapport he has and his understanding mm-hmm. of the playbook. And I, I think, frankly, just speaks to how hard of a worker he is, being brought yeah. in midseason and just going. Um, I think that he's probably poised for a productive role in this offense. Jalen Hyatt, I don't know. Uh, I think he might be a little gadgety to start as a rookie. Right. Um, and that's, that's what I was saying. I think, you know, we, we, we've already covered, like, you know, his time at Tennessee and what kind of offense they had where, you know, it was just be fast, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and beat guys that are, you know, you have more talent than in, in the college level. I think he's going to take a little bit for him to learn how to be a receiver in this league. So year one, game one, month one, we may not expect what we might see out of him in year two or year three. Um, Wondell Robinson's interesting because uh, I think that he can fill that Richie James role really well in addition to doing other stuff. I mean, like, and that by being shifty and being able to find just the right soft spots and get open and, yeah. then, you know, just convert from there. I mean, that's Richie James was good at being that third and five guy, third sure. and four guy. Um, in addition to that, I think Wandell brings something from like the screen game and like the scat sort of situation where he can be somewhere behind the line of scrimmage and make something out of nothing. Um, he, he might he might have more variation in his game than like a Kadarius Tony, but not doesn't have the skill set of a Kadarius Tony. Like he might do a little more than Kadarius Tony could have done, but just not as well at the things that he does do. Something that like makes sense. That. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. Um, yeah. Darius Slayton is here. I mean, what's interesting is he would be on my short list of guys like, well, I don't know if he's going to make the roster. But based on the contract, they spend more money cutting him than keeping him. So I just don't see a way that they just let him go. He would have to have a colossally bad situation. I mean, him him and Daniel Jones are the two guys that had to, be, had to win over this coaching staff, and yep. they did. Yep. I mean, you, you said it. He was the leading receiver last year. Yeah. From a guy that was... Shepard is interesting. I and you said something, you know, anything I get from him is a bonus. I find that interesting because Wandale Robinson is the guy who got hurt later. Um, Sterling Shepard, I would say, probably had a minor tear of the ACL in that he said that he felt like he tweaked it the play before, and then the moment we saw him limping, he was just kind of walking and just kind of dragged his toe. And I guess that's kind of where the pop happened. But I get the feeling that he is probably okay now, good to go. And I think also fans, because the team won just fine kind of after he was here, that he's probably the best route run. He's probably the best receiver on this team right now. Who is yeah. better than him? No, Nobody. And that's that's one of, the, one of the things I'm a little, you know, with the, the ceiling of this uh, receiving crew is what kind of worries me more than anything. There's no... Pure number one. There's no stud. Yeah, I mean, that, decent that, guys. That's that's definitely true. Uh, but when I look at it, people just writing off Sterling Shepard, um, and I'm not saying you did, but I think people are. 
I th- I just find that interesting. Like why why you suddenly think that he is just so terrible because he got hurt a lot? I mean, like I know. Oh yeah, you talking about people. I didn't say that. You, yeah. Yeah, not you, not you, not you. Yeah, people, yeah. people just like let it go. Like they just like yeah. I mean, he's hurt all the time. They they need to just let his ass go. I saw somebody write, and this is like peak stupid. Don't pay attention to this. Somebody wrote it's like <laughs> he's been stealing money from this team for forever. Like as if getting what? your ACL torn is like this this voluntary thing. All right, then, then Saquon Barkley has been stealing, and you know all these other guys that got hurt have been stealing. It's yeah. that stupid. It's the it's very very stupid, but. Yeah, there's this general idea, I think, since the team won without Shepard, that he's like this expendable piece. I think he's probably the most complete and best wide receiver on the team. Uh, uh, no, the, the reason I said that is, you know, he's going to be he's going to be 30 this year. I mean, and that's a that's a serious injury. And I want to see, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I get that. I get that. Yeah, that's I would be shocked to see him emerge from like. Oh, he's earning starting team reps, and he's always open. How about that? Because he's one of those guys too, where it's like, yeah, he's kind of like that small, shifty guy. But you look at that Titans game; he was the big play that got them back in that game. Yeah, I he would was say, the deep ball. Yeah, I would say I, you know, I'm still sick with my thing. If it, it, it wouldn't shock me if that happens, but I'm also would be pleasantly surprised if it does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's in that little soft spot of, of the two. Sure. Um, the other I'm hoping I... for it. I mean, if he's healthy, I absolutely will. I, I wanted to be one of the wide receiver ones on this team, one of the starters. I, I would sleep better at night knowing he was one, knowing he had a full bill of health and he's playing and playing pre-injury. I, I have no problem with that. I am not really sure what to make of the Bryce Ford Wheaton thing, especially uh, – I mean, I, I'm not super stoked on him. And I think, honestly – him and Colin Johnson kind of come down to the same guy, and someone's going to have to win. Colin Johnson's obviously older, um, mm-hmm. but he was a guy that was earning a lot of reps last year early with this coaching staff and doing a lot from all the reports that we were reading was doing a lot with them. He was catching everything thrown his way. He looked crisp. He looked good. He was getting open, and then he got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. So far this year, I'm continuing to see his name pop up as a guy who looks crisp, he looks open. He catches everything his way. If he can make it to the preseason and really show the coaching staff what he can do in game situations, I do think that he is a dark horse to make the back end of the roster. And I don't think this coaching staff really cares about name or anything like that. I think they want I, the best group of guys. I, I definitely don't think they care about it. Um, let's talk. I, the one guy I really had no opinion on was uh, was Paris Campbell. What, what can you? What's your take on him? Paris Campbell's interesting because they spent a lot of money on him. Um, I mean, they didn't. They, they didn't spend a lot of money at all. But in comparison to the wide receiver room, he's a $5 million hit. That's mm-hmm. like the highest. Um, he also carries a $3 million dead hit as well. So cutting him, they do save like $2 bucks if they need to, but – Oh, um, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to cut him. I, I just you – know, what is your opinion of him though? I think that he is going to be able to add something to this offense that they don't – I don't know. I, I honestly think that Paris Campbell is sort of their Sterling Shepard replacement. They're the best they can do to do that okay. um, for, for cheap. Um, and I think that's what makes it really, really interesting with, with that is how many guys that are speedy, shifty um, are you going to carry? I, I, I think he makes this team 
but um, it's like a gamble. Like he could he could fall apart in the preseason. Uh, he may do nothing this year. They, he was a gamble signing. I just I want I want him to do well, so it's hard for me to like really speak it. Listen, I don't like Darius Slayton, but I want him to do well too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of no, yeah, that's, I think that's Paris kind of Campbell is going to be that thing. He's going to be like that fourth wide receiver, I think, that comes in and uh, has like cleanup duties where he's like carving guys up, but getting favorable coverage, that sort of thing. Yeah, that that's why I was kind of like, I really don't have much of an opinion about him because like I really wasn't sure what his no, role would be on this. Again, so w- this is this is the thing with OTAs and talking about this stuff. Like we're talking about depth chart, but now we're talking about role in the team and I think that with with defensive backs and with wide receivers, it's kind of all in how they line up and we don't have any access to how they're being lined up, how they envision these guys. So these are all just like very um thumb in the wind. Yeah, it's just this is all projection on our part where it's like I could see Basically, I'll narrow it down. I'll take Jamison Crowder off the list. And from Hodgins, Hyatt, Robinson, Campbell, Slayton, Shepard, Ford, Wheaton, and Johnson, I could foresee any of them on the roster. Those guys, I think. Any of those guys could make the roster. Not all of them because that's eight wide receivers. So you're probably looking at most, at most – Six wide receivers and a guy who's a wide receiver that's signed just for special team duties. And I can see seven, and that's insane. And I can see four to five of them legitimately being the starters, and me not go, being like, "How did that happen?" Yeah, mm-hmm. right. There's no David Sills in this group who's like, you know. Well, I didn't. I didn't have him in the group. He is, I know he's on the roster, but he's in the other group I didn't mention. <laughs> right, right, right. But but I mean, like, there's nobody in that list who's like him. It's just like, mm. you know, this guy's obviously not has no chance to be a starter based on the, you know, the, 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 uh, the depth of the room. Like, so any of those guys could be, you could tell me that any combination of them are, are three starters on opening day. And it'd be like, all right, it's fine. I think that you could probably, there's a potential for Ford Wheaton to be in that group only because we don't know what we have there. Mm-hmm. We don't know. What we've seen, but what I've seen from Colin Johnson, I think he shows that he, on some NFL team, he can get open, make catches and do something something with it not obviously I'm, we're not talking about 85 yard to the house but right um i'm glad that the the, the depth in this room has gotten better that now we have a but, but just like sure we said with the edge room like there's no we want to see somebody like darius slayton put them over the top or 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 outperform himself or or whatever right right we want to see jalen hyatt evolve from uh whatever he was at Tennessee to a real NFL wide receiver. Just like we want to see Kayvon Thibodeau at edge and Aziz Ojolari at edge elevate themselves. But right now, when I look at the roster for both edge and wide receiver, I'm not seeing a top dog. Nope, nope, nope. And while I I think both of those positions you can win by numbers, I would like to see top dog <laughs> yeah make of me very happy i want somebody where you have there's no wide receiver on this roster that you have to specifically game plan to stop we're stopping this guy yeah right yeah i mean I would it's, say it, so. it's more about we're going to run our defense and we know there's going to be guys out there and but there's no like you know trell owens or jerry rice out there that's like we have to spend Tuesday night, staying up till five in the morning for how we're going to stop this guy. Right. Yeah. There's certainly not that. I mean, I'm sure some people would say that Waller or or 
I mean, maybe to an extent, Barkley might be that guy. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm talking about the wide receiver room specifically. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're. I meant as receiving weapons, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. They're in the yeah. wide receiver room, if you're an outside corner, if you're Trayvon Diggs, you're not worried about Darren Waller. Cause you're how am I going to formulate the game plan for my secondary worrying about these guys? Yeah. Um, that pretty much does it for this episode. I don't really have anything else. Yeah, I can talk about the uh, offensive line real faster. I I don't really have any. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum, the guards, but we can't see anything in in OTAs with the offensive line. So I'm not. Yeah. I right now we're we're talking about a John Michael Schmitz, a guy that we're just projecting. I think probably is going to be pretty good. We know Glowinski's not good. But we still have – I mean, they're going to move guys around. I have no idea. Right now, today, yeah. I don't even know who the starters are. So I don't – guard, I think maybe there's some depth issues. But are you really, truly like that's going to be the fucking problem? Not like I had for the last decade, no. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, I mean, if we're going to talk offensive line, I would say my biggest concern is tackle depth between Tyree Phillips, who I thought played pretty well but is not spectacular, and Matt Parrott, who is all measurables and no film. <laughs> um, I think – and, you know, we, we last episode we talked about Yanni Kajus. They brought him in. Gone, I feel like – Gone as soon as we talked about it. The next day he signed with the Jets. So I feel like Matt Parrott has been something we've been talking about for seven years, like, you know, this experiment. This is what – I mean, his fourth year? Third year? fourth year i think because it's the same as andrew thomas yeah he, he was the 2020 draft but like we knew he was going to be a major project when he was drafted right sure yeah so i it's kind of a he's a weird interesting guy where it's just like we knew it was gonna take a few years you know injuries hurt but like you know again we're also talking about a backup at this point too so yeah but i mean it's, it's one of the most important backup positions in the nfl is for sure tackle um for sure I would say that's my biggest area of concern on the offensive line right now. Just looking at it right now, before I know who's starting and doing what, and how Azudu is coming along, and all that other stuff. Um, and that's sort of one of those things, right? Where it's like, oh, your left tackle went down. I mean, most team seasons are over, right? Yeah. So, or he goes on goes on life support. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a concern for me. I would like them to get better with depth at tackle, but it's not one of those things I. Right now they have other issues where it's like, well, we kind of need a starter at it. You know what I mean? So, yep. I don't know. Is there anything I'm missing with that? No, I mean special teams. We really we can't really oh, tell yeah. during OTAs. But I mean, like just as concerns going into the year. Is there anything that you're? Any other concerns going into the year? Concerns going into the year. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think generally that my main concern is that uh, we will be complaining about the same things this year that we had to complain about last year and that the pass rush still isn't getting there and there still don't seem to be the big chunk plays. Um, that would be my concern. And, and I think they've done things to address it. Like they certainly added speed all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um But 
I mean, like the, the concept still has to be there. They still have to be looking downfield. They still have to be throwing downfield to get those chunk plays. They still need the protection to hold up so that they can do that. Um, and as far as generating pressure, like guys like Aziz and Kayvon need to get home. Like they, they have to be able to get pressure without bringing six guys on every play. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and, and right. I think my main concern is coming off of a year where you had clear success not just out cooking your coverage, but clear success from a coaching standpoint. They had an advantage. Uh, they were able to um, make Daniel Jones into a winner, help him become a winner. Mm-hmm. And in spite of all that, there were clear things that were problems. And if we have the same problems again this year, there will be even myself will be victim to like we didn't do enough. We didn't. We still haven't fixed this because it's the same things that we've been complaining about for forever. So this this feeling of, well, wins are cool, but we're still bad at these things, is um, something that the the fan base I, will be frustrating with. I want I want a win loss record to really be accurately reflecting how good this team is. I don't want any, well, you know, they won ten games, but I want that I want this team to be this is a ten win team. You know. Strength of schedule doesn't matter as much. You know, this lucky break didn't happen matter as much. I want this team to be at a place where their record is what they are and not smoke and mirror or bad luck where they are better than what their record was. I want I the want the record to be six and one team. You don't want to be that. Yeah. And <laughs> well, I'd rather be the worst six and one than the best one and six for sure. But yeah, I, 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 I don't want any. I don't want any narratives or any perception to be we are X record, but that was because of this, not because of what we are. I get you. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I'm hoping that we get some more news, some more interesting things from next episode from the OTAs that are going on. Uh, by the by, the time we record next Monday, there will have been OTAs on June 6th, which is the day you're listening to this. June 8th, June 9th. Um, and then the day that we air that, which will be Tuesday the 13th, the mandatory minicamp will be happening. And, um, you know, obviously the all eyes are going to be on who shows up to that. Barkley uh, being the main one, I doubt he'll be there, right? The, the biggest news I don't want to hear today, and I don't want to hear the minicamp, is I don't want to hear anybody with a non-contact injury and is out for the year. Very so. true. Yeah. You know something? Really, I, if you give me the choice between absolutely no news or you know news, I'll take the no news because no news to me means nothing bad happened. You're 100 percent right. This is the time you should be enjoying your vacations, and we're not talking about arrests. Arrests or how are we going to handle having player X out for the year because he got hurt? Right. So with that, hopefully we'll continue to have boring episodes next week. Uh, I don't know how <laughs> to any, sell our if, show like if that. If the three of you are still listening to this episode, thank you for your support. <laughs> um, uh, next week, uh, hopefully we'll be delivering more boring, uh, more boring takes. Nothing hot. Nothing. Hey, you hot. know these guys are catching passes in air. We're kind of podcasting with to air <laughs> against air right now too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's OTAs for all of us. These are organized team activities for you and me. That's right. Remember, um, in November, we have all of our big takes after a big win or a big loss. You'll remember. We were in this together. We, we, we were workshopped that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So we will see you guys, of course, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., YouTube as well. 
next week. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter in the interim at football underscore grump, at the cranky pin, at just Jones pod. And we'll see you all next week. Till then, go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.